Are you telling people the whole truth about your entrepreneurial journey? So many of us edit out the bizarre or unique experiences because we think that no one will understand how it all fits together. That we leave out really impactful moments as though they never happened. Is it time to rethink how you tell your story? Welcome back to Why Are We Shouting? With me, Jill Salzman, here to help entrepreneurs get down to business. I want to talk to you about small business blunders, ways that entrepreneurs shine, and valuable lessons about growing your biz. This week, we're going to turn back the clock and examine my time in South Africa. where I co-founded an organization to help empower women in need. I I can fly. And why that's been left out of my story for a really long time. Everyone has to start their entrepreneurial story somewhere. I always decide to start mine in 2005 when I launched my very first business in Chicago managing bands, sending them out on the road, being a music business chick. I start my story there because I don't think folks are interested in all the details of my first lemonade stand. And I also leave out a momentous launch in my life because, well, it's complicated. See, I traveled to South Africa in 1998 to study abroad. I lived in Cape Town and I attended UCT, the University of Cape Town. As any college student would tell you, I thought I was heading overseas to diversify my educational background. Doesn't that sound good? I was going to attend classes and meet the locals. I wanted to soak up the culture and come back to finish up my undergrad studies as a well-traveled American. While a lot of that was true, although it leaves out the obvious partying skills that a student must acquire, my attention in class was heavily outweighed by my attention to a wholly different situation that I had no idea I'd learn about while I was living there. Apartheid had ended in South Africa only a handful of years before I got there. It's that institutionalized system of racial segregation you've heard all about. When you say that apartheid is over, it sounds like a neat and tidy end to racism in the country, doesn't it? It certainly didn't feel like it. I remember walking down a sidewalk to meet a friend at a restaurant and an elderly black man was walking towards me. Once he spotted me, he stepped off the sidewalk to continue walking in the busy street with the cars whizzing by him a bit too close for my comfort. It took me only seconds to realize why he'd moved out of my way. And I've spent years moved by that moment ever since. A few weeks into my stay at an apartment in the Rondebosch area, I met a woman who'd changed my life. Geraldine was a tiny, gregarious, and outgoing woman who'd attended an event that we students were invited to. She was very excited to meet us, and in her excitement, she invited us to her home to meet her family if we were so inclined. I took her up on it because I was so inclined. I got directions to her house, and it ended up being way outside of the city, in a township. Townships are the wildly impoverished areas that resulted from those awful apartheid rules. And as a young student visiting a small hut for a home, 
with no plumbing, no electrical, and newspaper for wallpaper. Let's just say that impactful was an understatement. When I got to Geraldine's home, she explained that while her family wasn't in need, this really threw me because it sure looked like they were. She assured me that they had everything a family could ask for, but she felt that the women in the township had so few resources, so, so few, that she wanted to change things around her. As you can imagine, I was on board before I even sat down for my first meal with her family on the floor of their one-room home. We had a lot of work to do. So I started to visit her and her family regularly. She had a husband, two daughters, and one son. I'd buy them pizza since they couldn't afford much food, and she would regale me with stories about how the men in the area would drink their cares away, and the women would be left to raise the children and figure out ways to try and make money. Some were raising chickens to sell eggs. Others were trying to get cleaning jobs in the big city, which was a 45-minute commute on very unreliable public transportation. She went on and on about how desperate these women were to feed their kids. She wanted to make a difference. Her idea was to start a center where these women could come and find resources galore. They could get their hair done or find affordable groceries or get counseling on basics like how to use condoms. You know, things every human being should have access to in any community. In between our meetings, I'd go back to class and scribble down name possibilities for our new organization. I'd make lists of folks that we could possibly pitch to to ask for money. And then I'd return to her with the ideas and she'd approve them or tell me why they wouldn't work in South Africa. Together, we landed on calling the organization SAFE, which stood for South African Female Empowerment. Ta-da. We were determined to find funding and resources for hundreds of women in Geraldine's neighborhood. We drew out five billion logos and we landed on our agreed favorite. I created letterhead on my school laptop, typed out a strong pitch, and we approached big and small businesses alike in the downtown areas of Cape Town. We walked into a major grocery store chain and we asked the general manager to hook us up. We approached bank tellers to ask them to connect us with the higher ups. Throughout all of it, Geraldine's drive was palpable. You could hear it in her words, see it in her face, feel it coming off of her body. It was contagious, at least for me. I learned what real drive looked like, one that stemmed from a life full of challenges that I'd fortunately never even have to endure. I also learned what racism really looks like when you're staring it in the face. After setting up several meetings by myself with banks and grocery store owners, I'd walk in with Geraldine and the mood of the room would shift. They'd stare at me, clearly dumbfounded as to why my partner was a black Kosa woman. It became pretty apparent pretty quickly that this bright-eyed and bushy-tailed white college student was judged to be out of her mind for thinking that we'd get a yes from any of them. Even walking around malls together, I remember the looks, the stares, and the comments of disappointment, of wonder, of disgust. We tried for four months to get our organization off the ground, but without funding, we couldn't do very much. When the end of my stay was near, 
We agreed that I'd head home to drum up some cash and send it over to her from America. I'd also chatted with another local white woman who was staying on in the country, a kind soul who offered to carry on the work that Geraldine and I began together. Do I wish that I could tell you that SAFE still exists? I do. But somewhere along the way, Geraldine got sick and she was bedridden for several years. Without her fervor about the project, there was no one to spearhead it in the way that she did. I've more recently heard from her kids, now grown, who've all attended U.S. colleges. They're living lives that Geraldine dreamed of having. I'm pretty sure that their drive to succeed came directly from their mama. Little did I realize how impactful Geraldine and her work ethic would be on me. Literally in the middle of coming up with this episode, it occurred to me for the first time that I've gone on to help mom entrepreneurs make more money because of the loneliness, overwhelm, and suffering that I see in so many of them. And the drive that I have to do it is the echo of an incredible human being I once knew all the way across the globe. SAFE hasn't been a part of my entrepreneurial story because it doesn't fit into a nicely, neatly packaged linear telling of everything that I've ever done. I packed it away into the memory bank for my time in South Africa. It makes me wonder how many of us are holding back impactful experiences like this one and what life events are curled up in a ball somewhere collecting dust. What's your missing story? You don't call. You don't write. Why not do both? Text me by typing hashtag podcast to 312-847-2353 or go to jillsalzman.com slash podcast. You can record a message there about an experience that impacted your career and I can play it in a future episode. Go to ratethispodcast.com slash why are we shouting and leave a review. Pretty please. It helps other listeners discover these entrepreneurial stories so that they can build better businesses. Shout out to Lindsay, Aaron, Geraldine, and all of the women of every South African township in the country for making this podcast with me. I mean it. And as always, thanks to you for listening. I'll see you next week.